I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all maintain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by everyone. The subject today is uh, changing the culture of church from being a top-down, hierarchical kind of culture in the way that we operate, to being an upside-down culture. Now, I think you're halfway there uh, in lots of ways, and, uh, but it's... it's Something that we all inwardly feel, that somehow or another there's wrong, there's something gone wrong about the way church operates, um, top-down, hierarchical, institutionally. We all, all feel instinctively that there's something wrong about that because we sense within our own beings from the excitement of our first, first encounter with Christ that Jesus Christ encountered us to bring us face to face with God, to reunite us with our Heavenly Father, as it were, to bring us home into this eternal fellowship and liberate our subhumanity from its sin and, and liberate us to become fully human again, like Christ, so that the potential which is built into each one of us as individuals can begin to burst out in, in love and service of Christ. We all feel that inside ourselves, but when we get inside churches, and you might feel a bit, and some of you have felt it like this in here, we suddenly feel we've got inside an institution which instead of allowing us to express that new humanity and that potential which we just know Jesus has put in us, we find ourselves kind of squashed in and moulded into something which is not quite us and at times ruled by statutes and ideas and what you do and expectations. Ever felt like that? A few people have. Other people aren't quite honest enough to say so yet, perhaps. And if you've never felt like that, hallelujah. <laughs> you see. So it's something we've often felt, but actually I suspect it's not something we've often acted on. If that's. Now I have to make a disclaimer here. I was, I believe that God wanted me to be a preacher of his word. I believe that God set me apart so that I could work in Baptist churches. 
I even believed that it was God's will to bring me here to Bristol so that I could learn to be ordained, mm, there's that hierarchical word again, ordained as a Baptist minister. But I've always understood that if you can't beat them, you join them. <laughs> and that if you have something to say, it's no good shouting from a distance and throwing stones. By the grace of God, he draws you in to say it from inside. And over the years, I personally have struggled with the idea of church as hierarchy, but it's the only thing I knew too for a while. And struggling to break out of it has been a long, long process. And I notice that lots of people who feel the same as this have actually left church and restarted it from scratch. But it's my conviction that Jesus loves you, the body of Christ, that is already here. Whatever our background, whatever our institutional background, however we've organised ourselves in the past, God loves this body. And it's always been my, my said, Lord Jesus, why do people have to leave the church to, to, to sort of approach this? Why can't you do it from inside the church, from where we're at? And I believe you're a church that wants that. Which is why I'm so happy to be here. For the last 15 years of ministry, I was in a church where I was known as a leader, and they called me pastor, I'm happy with that. But in fact, it was in a church where everybody knew that I didn't have all the best ideas. And that most of the good ideas, which God really bolstered and used in that little church, came out from people who thought, no good thing can come out of me. So, it's turning the church from top down to upside down. Pete put it bottom up, but we thought we might create pictures in your mind. I've only got a few minutes. Well, you might think it's a bit longer than a few minutes. But, um, a definition of culture. One definition of culture is that culture is a system of meanings and values that shape one's behaviour. Okay? Now then, whole books have been written on the subject of this morning, and this is one of them. And uh, you might not agree with it all, but it's called Unfinished Business by a guy called Greg Ogden. Have you come across it at college? You have to get them to, to read it. Um, Here's some paragraphs from it. The Apostle Paul says that transformation has to do with our thinking. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. He quotes Romans 12, chapter two, verse 2. It's a matter of putting off an old way of thinking and in its place having our thinking renewed. In other words, transformation is about reclamation, reclamation. Growing up in Southern California, I watched a transformation take place in a stinking landfill. Throughout my elementary school years, uh, Shoal Canyon was the place where trash trucks emptied their loads of rotting garbage and household discards. In my twenties, I played golf on top of this same landfill. Once the, gorge had been, had reached, once the gorge had reached capacity, someone had the grand idea that this refuge depository could become a new creation as a place of recreation. Shoal Canyon is now a beautifully manicured 
green playground overlooking the San Fernando Valley. Nice as this sounds, the creators of this golf course failed to follow the biblical pattern of transformation. To be truly transformed in biblical terms, you must put off before you can put on. It's not just a matter of covering over what's already there so it looks good on the outside. I only played golf once on this course that on the surface appeared so attractive. Emanating from below the topsoil was a nauseating stench. As I stood on the greens, I had the sense that just below the surface of ground, the ground was a bubbling and gaseous place. entrenched as this institutional mindset become, is institutional. They go into the filter from the scriptures as inclusive and come out as exclusive. The ministry of all has become the ministry of a few. The laity who feel that somehow or another they're not really equipped to be ministers because they're not super saints. Did you know the scriptures when Paul writes his introductions to the, his letters in all I think but one, maybe, maybe two. You have a look. He's writing to the saints in the place of. It's not to the ministers. It's not to the elders. Um, that group of people are mentioned in one place but not until he's written to all the saints. You are the saints. But if anybody said to you, oh, you're a saint, you, you'd probably say, oh, oh um, no, 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 not me. No, I, I'm just not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I haven't done enough. You are the saints of God. So we've got the idea of saints, that sainthood only belongs to the super holy, the extraordinary Christian who has accomplished something marvellous the Mother Teresas of this world, or the, the Johns, Matthews, Lukes, oh sorry, the St. Johns, the St. Matthews, the St. No, you see? You, so you don't consider yourself, but you are a saint. You are the gathering of the saints of God because a saint is somebody, the Hagios, that has been set apart by God and sanctified by God for himself. You are God's people. You are the saints. You are his ministers. The word minister is another word which, when it's used, ministering is used in the scriptures, is used, um, is used of the whole body. It's not just used of the vicars or the elders or the worship leaders, the elite who minister. It's the body of Christ. You are the minister of Christ. We are the minister of Christ. We are one body with one head and he ministers through us. Now then, one writer has suggested, and I don't know whether this is valid or not, but those of you who are, I, I'm certain that the Greek is, is correct. I'm not sure with whether the conclusion of the writer is correct. But you remember in Acts chapter 6 where um, the disciples were increasing in number and a complaint was made by the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Do you remember that? I just read verse 1. And uh, what happened is that the apostles said, um, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Uh, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good 
repute. We will devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now the suggestion is, by one writer, that the institutional understanding of the Western Church has even influenced the translation there. Because the word in verse 1, which is translated distribution, is identical to the word which is uh, in verse 4 translated ministry. So it would be perfectly legitimately from a translation point of view to reverse those translations. You could say a complaint was made by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily ministry. And you could then in verse 4 perfectly legitimately say but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the distribution of the word. It's the same word. Both, both functions are ministering the grace of God. But we have somehow or another in, in our cultural mindset said no, only man, even the son of man, he said, did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's in Mark chapter 10, verse 45 or 6. The Son of Man is a designation he gave to himself indicating Messiahship. The Messiah, the King of the Jews, the ruler of the people, didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life. So leadership, and we must calibrate everything we do by Jesus Christ. Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When we think of leadership in the church, it's got nothing to do with able to hear me. So it's not about robes and crowns and great thrones and ceremonies and, and sort of genuflecting and, and, and sort of and the, the, the pastor, um, the church hasn't visited me because the pastor hasn't been, but I did have 12 church members visit my bedside last week, but the minister didn't come. It's not that hierarchical thing. Leadership isn't about hierarchy. It's about service, sacrificial service. And there's something here for the elders to discuss together when they get together on Wednesday. I'll be in Bulgaria. <laughs> Amplifies some of those verses we've read together. Gifts and leadership is for the full equipping of the saints. Verse 12. His intention was the perfecting in giving these gifts, these leadership or functions, rather than offices, apostles, prophets, etc., functions. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people. God wants you, us, equipped. The saints equipped. Not to sit back feeling inferior, we're just, oh, I'm just a lay person. But actually equipped to be, but God works through me.
So his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering. Oh, we can't bring anybody to Jesus unless the minister preaches the right sermon or unless that specially anointed, sainted person speaks to them. No, it's for us, the body, to be doing the work of ministry. Feel yourself liberated. Or perhaps hope to become liberated. Say, Lord, I've been rather pleased at times that there are ministers to do this. But now I see that you want me liberated to minister in this way and that way, at work, to the people around me, just using the different gifts you've given me. Lord, I've got to wake up here. Wake me up, Lord. It sounds really exciting. And in verse 16, this passage goes on that God's purpose in equipping all the saints so that all of us together are ministering, his purpose is this. The whole body, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it's supplied, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, this body grows to maturity, building itself up in love. Whoa! Whoa! That's talking about you. You're not the laity after all. And I'm not the big shot after all. We're in one body, we have been given gifts and we've been to, to function with in this body, but we are one in this. We are one body with one head who works through and uses us all to build each other up and to take the good news out and to stand in the public place according to our gifts and personalities in places to, to, to declare what justice is and to stand as peacemakers in places because we have different gifts. And they don't all just operate on a Sunday. I suspect that a few of us, and not least me, over the years have had to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. It's quite difficult if you've been a minister for a long time and you've been uh, more or less looked up to, to actually take a back seat and say, Ah, but Lord, you're ministering through these people. And I'm really pleased to say that what, when this church began to grow, I was here as a minister. But it wasn't through what I did that it began to grow. It was through others and what God did. And I'm really chuffed about that. And you know, I look around over these last few weeks and not everybody was sick because you can't be around. You're in other places during the week. But Pete and I were talking... Things are beginning to happen around here, you know. We were talking about it, weren't we? Little things that you may not have noticed because you've been at work over there or involved with your children over there. But things are beginning to happen. When we looked at it, we couldn't explain it. Again, you who are formerly known as the laity, (laughs) 
Are you willing to step up to the plate and recognise yourself as what God sees in you? Ministers of his varied grace. You are saints. You are called to be people through whom his spirit flows. You can touch the world and be surprised by God blessing it as a result of you being there, saying things, doing things the way you do it. Be prepared to come on a Sunday astonished. Say, do you know, do you know what God was doing this week? So, are you prepared for that? Confession may be necessary. I've had to confess my attitude as a leader many times. Do we need to confess our unwillingness to be ministers? <laughs> so I'm going to finish with a question. There was more I wanted to say, but I've seen the time is going. Gifts are not limited to here. Gifts are not even limited to what you may read in 1 Corinthians or in Romans or in Peter. Many and varied are the gifts of God. And the gifts which he gives are varied in the way they're used. This is 1 Corinthians 12. I'm kind of verbalising. He gives a variety of gifts. They're varied in the way they're used and they're varied in the uses to which they're put. If you have one kind of gift and so-and-so has the same kind of gift, you don't have to be like each other. And the gift may not even be used to the same end. Two of you may have musical gifts and one is used in the pubs and really elevates Christ in the pubs and someone else uses it in the congregation and really helps somebody fall on their knees before God. You see? One would be, I don't know, what would you call it? Perhaps prophetic within the church and the other perhaps would be evangelistic in the pub. Music used in various ways. So, assuming that your desire is to serve Jesus Christ, these are very long-winded questions, <laughs> um, but I didn't know how to put them, really. When you, formerly known as laity, when you personally take yourself seriously and you consider your own passions and interests, when you think of the things that really get your ministering, serving juices going, what is it you'd like most to do? What stirred her up was she could see that the way that I, the church was working and I was working in the church, I needed some assistance. But she was a lay person and she knew she couldn't offer to be my assistant. It would be next to blasphemous, wouldn't it? And it took her two, three months before I finally wheedled out of her. Dave, I'd like to be assistant. Please forgive me. She was amazing. This lady. So, what gets your serving juices really stirred up? What is it that you would want to do inside 
or outside this building. No, forget the building, forget the day. In and through the body. Or put it this way, if you had freedom through the community of God to serve Jesus any way you dreamed, what would you choose? What would your ministry look like? Where would it be? Think about it. Because at some point we've got to talk about it and we've got to start to recognise one another and begin to release and support one another. Even if all that you do is to realise that where you've been for the last ten years is where God wants you to be a minister. Let us support you in it and pray you through it and uphold one another in it and become a ministering body.